following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to click on the banner ad entitled, You Won't Believe What These Child Stars Look Like Now. Be dissatisfied, and kind of sad, about how the child stars look. And now your computer is plagued by incessant pop-up ads. Oh, this can't be good. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 clickbait minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to GEICO. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance. My name is Matt Perez. My name is Satchel Drakes. And this is Overworld, where we try to be curious, fail at being smart, and talk about video games at the intersection of art, society, and other stuff. Hey, Satchel. Hey, Matt. Matthew. What? Matt, okay, hold on. Matthew. You just, you just trip me up. <laughs> <laughs> what, do, do, what, what if I just start calling you Matthew? Just I gave myself the additional effort of... I don't know. I don't know if I could take it. <laughs> there are like one or two people in my life that call me that. <laughs> are they like your parents? Or like... It's like my brother and my mom, yeah. <laughs> he just calls you Matt. Wait, is he like way older? He's three years older. He just calls you Matthew. I don't know why. Oh, that's interesting. I feel like I would always feel like I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> yeah, like, no. It feels like I'm getting yelled at. I'm like, yeah. dude. Like, Satchel's pretty unorthodox, but everyone kind of reverts to Satch, uh, yeah. which I never really picked up on until later in life. It's like, everyone just call me Satch. All right. Whatever. Anyway, how yeah. you doing? <laughs> that was an unproductive question. I'm, yeah, you know. I'm all right. Now I'm being called Matthew. I feel like I'm getting in trouble, but it's fine. <laughs> that was so, a joke. Yeah. Segway. Oh, Segway. <laughs> I was thinking about this the other day. You know how I do. And one of my favorite jokes in a game is from Portal 2. Mm. It's, it's a good game. You know, it's a good one. Um, yeah. And right in the beginning, uh, it's just like, it's really clever. They, the, the character asks you to, to speak and to press A to say like Apple or something. Yeah. And you hit it and you jump because that's just how the controls are for that game. It's a puzzle game. That's a platformer as well. And he's like, oh, okay, I, that's not what I asked you. You might have like brain damage but yeah let's just move on and it's just it's just really clever that they kind of surprise you with press a and it doesn't do what you think it does and it, and it made me laugh and i really enjoyed that mm, that was really good yeah <laughs> and i think like a big part of that is just the interactivity of it um which separates it from a lot of you know quote-unquote comedy games which i kind of wanted to to look at a little bit that's cool yeah that, that feels like in a lot of ways, it feels like uncharted territory. I mean, honestly, in all the YouTube videos I've seen dissecting everything possible, um, not many, nobody really that I've seen, like, have talked about comedic games and what they sort of do or even, like, the legacy of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess in yeah. a way, I, I don't know too many comedic games. Um, I know games that are cartoonish. I know games that are wacky. You slapstick comedy like cartoonish violence and you'll get a chuckle out of it. You know what I mean? Um, but nothing like a stand-up special or where there's a comedic buildup through line, like in the way that you're playing something um, outside of Tim Schafer, of course. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like I'm like thinking about those old games and what they did even because there's, so, yeah, like you said, there's so few, like, I guess straight up games that are committed 
to be in comedy. You know, you have your Grand Theft Autos, which have comedic comedic moments. Uh, some of the characters, some say funny things, but they're not comedy games. Um, right. But on the other, you know, you, you or have like, like you make comedy out of the games because yeah, they they would be traditionally. I mean, Grand Theft Auto had some jokes in it, but like mm-hmm. there were cinematic jokes, but like the. They're they're otherwise meant to be taken seriously. Like it's a serious yeah. world with people living their lives in it. Mm-hmm. And then you also have like system based games. Like uh, I think like every let's play YouTuber ever played Happy Wheels. Which is oh just, my like, goodness! Yes. Yeah. Oh, you is... know what? Yeah, you know. I guess things like so there, there's there's physics comedy, right? I guess Goat Simulator falls underneath that. I didn't even think of that. Mm-hmm. Well, it was, like, yeah. I, I guess the other like what's the, the danger of that is that they sometimes get repetitive because I guess the the big surprise of that is when you're it's a big obstacle course game and uh, all of a sudden when you fail there's like insane ultra violence and that's like <laughs> the comedy of it you know um, yeah, and there's some yeah, funny yeah. physical things of that but uh, yeah like and and but then the more more focused games I would say were like something like the Stanley Parable which veers into other emotional distressing territory but uh mm. there's things like jazz punk uh even though i guess the danger again like if you're committed so much to comedy comedy is so subjective so a game like jazz punk for me where it's the entire point of it is just like puns and jokes that you walk around and find and i just i don't find any of them funny so there's that <laughs> but yeah. i found myself like with jazz punk Oh man, yeah. I mean, now I feel horrible. There really were a lot of comedy games out there. <laughs> well, not a lot, but you know, nah, yeah, there are these I, ones I on the margins, like jazz punk. It. I found myself going, "Ha!" Like I see the joke that it was going for. <laughs> a lot of it yeah. was over my head. Right? <laughs> a lot of it was just like I it see. Very meta. Like, like you had to be there, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But now, like what you said, Tim Schafer is a big one, and it's. I think he still is like the big one i mean i think there's a lot of these smaller indie games um a lot of stuff from like devolver digital and stuff but um tim schaefer there was that other game where like you're a dude who's a motorcycle and you're like attached to a motorcycle do you know what i'm talking about like it's it's like a it's like a it's like a humanoid motorcycle that has to drive through things. It's okay, never mind. I'm gonna leave that alone. Somebody <laughs> knows one of those listeners knows what it is. Reach out to me on Twitter and let me know that you exist <laughs> at Satchel Drakes. Okay, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I, I I don't know. I pop like I was like, are you talking about like quap or something? Like, no, no, no. Motorcycle. <laughs> it's like you're this humanoid motorcycle thing, but it's it's funny. I mean it is it's funny and it's serious. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but no, like, um, Schaefer. I guess, like, with those old school... Th- those used to be the go-tos, those adventure games, those old school adventure games where, um, you know, it's just kind of like a map painting and you're clicking on things and interacting yeah. with the environment. Uh, and there's a lot of puzzles involved. Or, or, even, kinda... or even things like Psychonauts, where, I mean... Like that was that was like a humorous platformer. The environments, yeah. the scenarios, the world that it was in, all of it was so ridiculous, and it yeah. was great. It's like I, that, especially I, it's a thing. Like I guess a, a lot of uh, comedy is like a surprise. Like they set up a lot, and then they give you a key to all this disparate things, and when that makes sense, you get a chuckle kind of thing. And that's like in Psychonauts, a lot of it is I guess based on the level design. It's just like extremely clever of like. 
even the small things that like I even forget, like looking back at that game or like the transitions between different sections of the level are themselves just like, oh, that's so clever. Uh, yeah. And sometimes it's, it is like it'll get get a chuckle out of you. But yeah, I it, those like old adventure games. I think like the key to that is like you would use like an item, like that you would eventually you have a bunch of items in your inventory and use a ton of them to try to figure out a single puzzle. And I think the best ones are where you failing makes a gag or a joke, you know, like, Oh, for maybe, maybe you get a good, like a funny reaction or even like at the very least, like a a small quip from the character. It's kind of like, um, if you ever see, you've seen Wally, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, in the beginning of the movie, they're just kind of, you know, laying the foundation of the world and everything. And he's playing around with a fire extinguisher and, you know, he uses it improperly and just, like, goes flying around everywhere. But then later mm. on in the story, they, like, subvert that gag and actually have a purpose for that fire extinguisher for, like, an actual, like, emotional scene. Mm. That's that's how I feel about, like, that's how, like, adventure games kind of operate. It's like, we're going to use them in this totally weird way that doesn't make sense right now. But then when it does eventually, you know, fit in a puzzle, you're going to go, like, oh, that's, look at that. You know, like, it has that kind of aha moment. Totally. I mean, I feel that way with, um, I mean, it's kind of a touchstone for a lot of people. I feel that way with Mega Man X where they use, in sort of that first level that they drop you in, they sort of use that, like, emotion of losing and then they they follow it up with showing you that you were supposed to lose to show how you how weak you are and how much you need to get stronger in order to, like, defeat Sigma or whatever. Yeah. I guess, like... That's a way for like, yeah, and that obviously uh, being more serious, but still leveraging like this yeah. sort of fourth wall awareness mm-hmm. uh, to say something, and like keep you, I guess, maybe not as frustrated. I think yes. there's an element of that, and that I think it's a big, I guess, like a big problem with like if you're gonna do a game that's straight up comedy, do you put mechanics in? Do you uh, take them all out and just rail in the comedy? But if you do that, you might end up with like for me, like what jazz punk is where. I just don't find the comedy funny. It's uh, mm, yeah. that's, that's, that's like a strange balance. It's also a, a thing of length. Like I think a, a lot of these more recent games, like um, Accounting or Jazz Punk or something like that, they're very short. I don't. Mm. I, I I like I I uh, remember. I think it was like Jerry Seinfeld or something said like you wouldn't want like a stand up special that's like over an hour because like if you go out for like if you're there for comedy for an hour like. Going beyond that, it kind of gets exhausting, and it gets like I need to like feel another emotion now, like get out of this. I don't... <laughs> That's totally fair. I never I thought. Think, yeah, <laughs> I, I usually I'm like, oh man, I can't believe it's over already. But then it's like, ah, it's probably best for me. Like yeah. wanting that second slice of cake. <laughs> I, I think I've been to like comedy festivals where it's like they just have a stage and they bring like a ton of people on. I remember going. It was like Dave Chappelle was like the the headliner. So, but there was like a ton of com- comedians beforehand. And eventually, I was like, I just, I just want to see Dave and get out. Like, I'm not done, <laughs> you know. Like, yeah. But yeah, I, I think one of my, uh, do you have a favorite comedy game? A favorite comedy game um, that, that is like just straight up. It's just like, oh, this is just comedy. Like, you know, I mean, I guess. Well, if I had to pick from all of them, Psychonauts. Oh no, 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 no Stanley Parable, Stanley Parable for sure. I'd yeah. say. You know what I mean? Like, that was such a huge thing for me. 
I mean, a lot of it, a lot of it definitely has, has to do with kind of growing up playing games that kind of fuels sort of like, I don't know, I guess the, the, the reward of playing it, you know? Um, but it was so thoughtful and, uh, so, uh, so well, so well put together. Like I've just, I've never laughed to myself like so much. So in, in, in a sort of way, it's a game about games. Right. Um, but also, um, I feel like it uses comedy to discuss, um, like existential stuff about being and about where we are and about what we value and about like how we see ourselves and how we see the world. And I've just never seen a game. I feel like to talk about deep things, especially, especially within the context of the game, but to talk about deep things in general, there's, it comes at a cost and you have to pay, like you have to pay the cost in order to keep people's attention and to keep their investment. And, Oftentimes, I feel like comedy or storytelling is sort of like an even exchange for talking about something that's emotionally expensive to think about. And Stanley Parable does a really good job at paying the toll with really good comedy and really thoughtful scenarios um, so that you can think about things that you might not typically think about day to day. I am done with my super long thing <laughs> on Stanley Parable. No, I feel pretty much the, the exact same way. It's, like, one of my favorite games, especially because, you know, you might go on, like, a 15-minute diversion, and it, it will end up being just, like, a, a little funny little thing, uh, but then, you know, it resets, and you go on another 15-minute thing, uh, or, like, playthrough, and you make a different choice, and, you know, for this first 10 minutes, it might be hilarious, but then those net last five will like emotionally drain you and just like totally come out of nowhere. And I think it's that sort of mixture, like just total palette of like, we're going to totally explore the idea that we've set forth in all these different shades. And I think that makes, it makes it special, but it also just makes all the emotions that go into that between it being hilarious, but also it being sometimes just harrowing and like, just sad and, and just strange. Uh, it, it makes it that much more potent. Uh, it's yeah. a good one. I, I like it a lot. Uh, my second was going to be a game called uh, Don't Shit Your Pants. That's a good one. It's fun. <laughs> Does that also touch on existentialism? In a- <laughs> you know what? You know what? I, th- I think the tagline for it is like, this is a survival horror game. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. Well, actually, what uh, what we're going to do is uh, sit down. Not really sit down, but we're going to talk to... We're sitting uh, down. Yeah, we're sitting down. We're going to talk to uh, the co-creator of The Stanley Parable and also the founder of Crows, 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 which makes a lot of short, cool comedy games like Accounting that was made with uh, Justin Roiland, uh, William Pugh. So let's do that. I'm stoked. Let's do it. So with us now is William Pugh, the founder of Crows, 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 and the co-creator of The Stanley Parable. Thanks for joining us, William. No, thank you. <laughs> what a pleasure we're so, all too great yeah about. yeah so uh i guess like this is a super general question is how i usually start these things okay. it seems like uh for a long while there weren't many games centered solely around comedy but we're starting to see more um some successful some not so how do you think uh, uh like how do you feel about like the state of comedy in games um 
Well, I think games naturally are a bit comedic, um, but not very. So I think I think as a general rule, I'd say, you know, and that's that's what I'd say. You know, uh, oh, I'd yeah. say you know, I'd say you know, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, the yeah, sure, like like yeah, Tim Tim. Uh, you you know Tim. He made the um he made all those games. He's pretty he's a pretty public figure. Uh, he's got curly hair. Like he's American. The Schaefer guy. Yeah. Ah, yeah. oh, Schaefer. Yeah. yeah, Tim. Yeah. Tim Schaefer. Like he's pretty funny. Uh, so mm-hmm. like, like I feel like he's been he's kind of been like the big daddy of uh, of comedy in games. Sort of, I guess, using that as a jumping off point is: are there any? Is there anybody out on the scene right now that you feel is sort of carrying this torch, or do you feel like there's kind of like uh, an interesting resurgence happening in general? Maybe if you don't want to use any particular names, like has there been anything out there that sort of caught your attention as an interesting way to convey comedy in a game? I mean, obviously, I feel like there are a lot of there are a lot of games that are kind of cartoonish or wacky or slapstick in nature, or maybe like games that will leverage a cutscene to like use a more traditional kind of cinematic means of conveying a joke. Uh, but do you feel like there are, there are any games sort of using interact interactivity in particular to, to make people laugh or to point at something or to use kind of tragedy plus time to. Yeah. All of my to... game, all my games do that. <laughs> um, they do. Well, they do for sure. Yes. <laughs> um, and I feel like if someone else was doing it, then I'd be doing something else. So mm. to answer your question, no, I don't think anybody does it. I think, well, I, well, okay. All right. To contrast the <laughs> jovial fun last answer with the uh, serious answer. Um, I think I look back on valve a lot for this. I feel like they did that a lot. Um, I feel like a lot of their games like portal portal Two, they're the for big sure. standout classics for me, like, and, and Brendan Chung, uh, gravity bone, 30 flights of loving. They're like big, they're, they're big, cool. Mm. Big, big fat, you know, and uh, but, <laughs> but um, <clears throat> sorry, um, uh, and but like Valve don't make games anymore. They kind of make loot boxes, and <laughs> and Brendan Chung make, make well. He made he made the he made Gravity Bone three, which was but but Gravity Bone three, which actually has a different real name. Um, that I'm forgetting right now. It's uh, the compute. You you know this. It's the computer. Uh, it's cowboy. The com- yeah, right? cowboy. Um, Red Dead Redemption. So when Brendan Chung made Red Dead Redemption, like that 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 kind of replaced its previous. It, it used it like his previous work has kind of. Um, it takes no gameplay or like a kind of pantomime of gameplay. Like in in in, in Gravity Bone. Like, uh, you you go through, you get you get like the items, you you get the ice spray, you get the camera to take pictures of the birds. If you've not played this, this sounds insane, but if, but if, <laughs> yeah. um, it's, it's a really good game. Everyone should play it. But um, uh, like that, like you're you're not like it looks like gameplay, but you're not. They're just like keys to puzzles. And uh, and you're given those keys in a really linear fashion, so you can't fuck it up. It's just like you play through it, it ends, 
there's no real there's no real player agency in that but um but it it it, it uses like um what little player agency it does have to kind of create humor from like the expectation of oh i've got a i've got a i've got this i've got like a number bar at the top of my screen i've got items 1 2 and 4 surely there's an item number 3 somewhere in the game and there just isn't because right. like it's like it play it plays a lot it plays a lot with expectation and and upending that and I think mm. port, like Portal, Portal does that in a kind of more classical. Oh, you think this is going to be a puzzle game, but then it turns into something more. And like this, um, very like it, it takes this kind of um, very gray, uh, neutral uh, environment, and then 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 the then the humor and the story kind of creep at you. Uh, out from under what seems to be like this very kind of generic puzzle puzzle game. Oh, well, not generic. It's a it's a good game, but like uh, it, the comedy comes from underneath the gameplay, or from like it doesn't come from the gameplay. It comes from something else. It comes from the personality of the world, from the writing of the characters, from the m- spaces you inhabit as a player. Um, mm. I always felt like Portal Two would have been a better a better game without the puzzles. Um, it feels like um, the most memorable moments in that game for me were were the parts that weren't really n- inherent to its form or its structure. It felt like um, like you've got okay, this is World One, which is Aperture Science. You've got World Two, which is like uh, this then Wheatley's Ap- Aperture Science. You've got World Three, which is the underground world, and you've got World Four, which is like the whole facility crumbling down and um and like they in in those it's like oh you've got 10 puzzles per world and like you could play through that game and it could be func it could be functionally the same but it wouldn't have anything uh, of what makes it special which kind of means that that is separate from gameplay uh so like a lot of what's informed mm, what i do is taking those principles and removing the gameplay that those things are normal that those things normally grow around and i think that's probably that's that's not answered a question but it's been a series of words that i think <laughs> uh, t- no, i think that answers, no, I think like, that answers the question yeah. several of my questions actually <laughs> I'm like he's knocking them out let's, uh, let's let's keep at it yeah well no like you said earlier with with like um you know co- uh, games kind of inherently a lot of times have you know, comedic moments, and the way you talk, like, it, it reminds me of something like, you know, with Stanley Parable or, um, like, the Temple of No or something, it's, like, very focused on, you know, you, it's the, the comedy's at the center of it, and I think every, every action you probably took as a designer, I'm assuming, is, like, trying to inform that comedy or that story you're telling, whereas there's, like, a, you know, there's a lot of, like, a Grand Theft Auto or Metal Gear Solid where, you know, there's the this margins, gameplay... Yeah. Yeah, and it's like the comedy's, it's there, like, but it's almost like it's just like a hat, almost. Mm-hmm. Or it's just emergent, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Like they give you they give you a sandbox and you make your own comedy out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like I I feel like that I feel like that kind of that's also super interesting. Like I've had a lot of fun playing multiplayer games, where um where you where where the game kind of becomes a performance space for the players. And like y- your job as a designer is to 
like pl- place thing place place things around the world and compose things and compone compose opportunities for players uh but then then leave players to to create that themselves and to find that themselves and like it's a lot of a looser it's a lot more of a looser structure but it's again like tied inherently to the gameplay of a game so like um it require it requires the game itself to be good outside of outside of those moments and entertaining mm. the play outside of those moments and i'm and like managing the i think i think i think i'm i i, I don't know if i'd be any good at making like a like a a gameplay game <laughs> <laughs> but there's no gameplay in Stanley. well like I, oh, fuck, I remember at gdc i um i was like i i said to steve gainer who made come home it, i didn't say this but something like this i was like oh man like your game was really good and didn't have any gameplay in it he was like, no, no, it had gameplay. <laughs> gameplay is not defined by, 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 by traditional. It, it doesn't have to be Mario jumping. The gameplay can be looking at things. And I was like, hmm. yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, no, I guess smart, it's more like smart. the mechanic. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's like more like the mechanical systems. It, it, you're more focused on walking, which is like an action. I was actually going to ask about that where. Um, I think you, I, I think you mentioned it during the GDC talk was, um, making, like, I guess a lot of comedy now, like with like a Bioshock or something is like, you pick up, uh, an audio recording and you listen to that audio recording. And a lot of that ends up being waiting around, which could be, you know, some people might like that. Some people might hate the idea of like, you know, I'm in this like world where I'm like fighting these crazed people and i like got in my hand i don't really want to be waiting around kind of thing and i think with like i don't know if this was a conscious decision by you i mean like was i, I mean going back is it, do you think like combat or like those type, type of mechanical systems could be distracting yeah from, uh... yeah i think i think certainly when you remove there's a kind of focus that removing stuff um brings to brings to players like if you like if you remove uh, a super dumb example is we used to when we were building semi parable we had like the jump still enabled and like players would like some we like noticed like like a, a third or like a quarter of players would just mash that just because it was like oh you have a me- you have an additional mode of input and like they'd just jump around the levels and that just felt a bit weird and like like and like if you ex- you can extrapolate that out to like gameplay in general, like it, like if you don't ha- if you if you just build like an empty room, and then put like I don't know, uh, a weird glowing sphere in the middle of it, like players will completely fucking focus entirely on looking around the room, looking at the sphere, clicking on it, like walking around, trying to see if there's something that they can find. But if you give if you put if you put that same environment and the player has like a gun in their hand, that completely that completely like changes the um, like their framing and their their expectations and stuff, and that can be useful as well. You can make like I feel like what Gravity Bone did was it made things look like this is hey this is a gameplay segment, and then like you have these expectations as a player of what you're going to be encountering, like the mode of think the modes of thinking that you're supposed to employ in the situation. And mm. then, like, you can fuck with people in really funny ways. Is there an achievement for trying to jump a ton in Stanley Parable? No, you're, no, you're someone... imagining that. 
Am I? <laughs> All right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. You're right. I thought. Oh, it'd be Are funny you... to lie about that. I'd be like, no. I was like, wow. I just messed up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, but now you know what I'm kind of curious to know. So, so kind of on on the subject of and going back to your example of skirting players' expectations, you know, whether they think they're supposed to collect an item that doesn't exist or putting a sphere in the center of the room. Uh, one thing I'm kind of curious to know, and it's it's always kind of been something that I've kind of racked my mind on, kind of on my own, is with with regards to conveying like comedy through an interactive experience in particular do you find there are sort of successful ways of doing not that it's limiting at all but do you find that there are successful ways of doing that that don't involve breaking a third wall or making the player aware, aware that they're playing a video game and in other words like is there a way to to have have comedy be at the center of sort of like gameplay, whether you identify it that way or not, um, without the without sort of like longtime gamers being the ultimate beneficiaries of like the reward of comic value. Well, I think it's about it, like when you when you say like um like comedy being the main gameplay of of something, it's like it's like how do you how do you frame the game? How do you get players into the into the game? Like it, it works with Stanley Parable, and it worked with make with that game because we need we only had a small team, and like you can't program m- mechanics and implement mechanics that aren't core to the experience. And so, like if you if your game if your comedy game is just about like walking around and listening to a character, then like um, that also makes it very accessible because you don't need to have a degree of experience in the medium or you don't need to, you don't need to have played like first person shooters or be good at that. Oh, like mm, something like dark souls, that game, while it might not be funny, it's got a, it's, it's a beautiful like piece of art in a way, but Mm. that art is only able to be appreciated by um, people who are very good at experiencing the medium or like playing True. like yeah. people who are very good at playing the medium so like it's like like anyone like anyone can look at a painting and be like oh that's pretty or like anyone can watch a movie and be and even if they don't have like um a built up a developed vocabulary through like watching a bunch of films or understanding like film technique or stuff they can still appreciate it whereas like i feel like with games you can't that's a tougher problem because the more complex you have the mechanics of a game or the controls of a game, the harder it is, the, 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 you're limiting, you're limiting your audience already. And like, um, so that for me frames a lot of like decisions around gameplay. Um, and like, and like whether or not to have fail states or whether fail states can just be another opportunity for a joke. Like, Oh, I've totally forgotten the question by now but like i i i um i think like i think i think i keep thinking about the point of accessibility and like everyone's going to be able to play it everyone's going to be able to like at a base level be able to understand your game and play through it and like if it if you're meant to laugh at a game like if you're if you're meant to find a game funny and like and that's the engaging part of it you can't have people 
like stuck on a segment for 30, 30 for 30 minutes trying to complete it because like that's not funny that's not compelling sure, like you yeah. need to you need to have like a continuous source of momentum following that through so like the game's got to be easy to play or like maybe not easy to play but like you've got to be able to like see new things and continue to see new things so then like that's quite useful because it provides a bunch of hard limitations for for how you design the gameplay and interactions of your game so like Mm. you can't like have like um you can't have stuff that requires a really high level of skill so it's got to be so so like it's like okay what can what can everybody do you can teach everybody to walk around you can teach everybody like a basic mechanic and you can teach everybody like um i don't know looking at like basic navigation yeah and then like and then it's more of a problem of writing and world building and like how do you make that something that's compelling and something that's funny and that doesn't always need to like you don't always need to like poke fun at like hey you're playing a game right now isn't that isn't that funny like 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 um like making jokes explicitly about like mechanics or about like right. player expectation but yeah, yeah. those can inform humor and like i think like like in stuff like dr langerskov and stanley parable it was a lot more th- third wall breaking uh fourth fourth wall breaking <laughs> and uh but with newer stuff like temple of no and 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 definitely accounting it's more shut up shut the fuck up i'm doing an interview <laughs> <laughs> that is a show first and i love it my 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 co-founder Dominic Johan <laughs> is taking the piss out of me getting third and fourth wall wrong. <laughs> Disgusting. Uh, but like the new, like new, newer work, like it's kind of moved away from like that kind of more meta style of things and more like appreciating how, how you can use interaction as a way to kind of get players intimately involved in like, stupid comedic scenarios and like it's not Mm -hmm. we're not the first people to do a lot of these things but like stuff like um deliberately making game interactions ambiguous and then and like playing with like context of interactions a lot conquers bad third day great amazing comedy game that's Mm, like like one of the best comedy games i think it's ever done ever been made and it's like games like that um aren't being made as much anymore. Sean, get over it. The question is, this is Sean, he's Australian. Sean, um, what do you think about, what do you, like, you know our, our work, our art, our, yeah. our funny games? Yeah. Like, what do you think makes them better than everything else out there right now? Like, I just want you to just, like, we'd, just be yourself, man. You don't need to be a character of yourself. So it's easy going here. Like, what's your favorite comedy game? Stanley. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> no, get back here. Get back here. Uh, what, what's your favorite legit real fu- funny comedy game? Dark Souls. Dude, I've I've done a whole bit on Dark Souls. Oh yeah. Like we play. I'm hoping to find new new ground to break. Yeah. Dom, Dom, can we get, Dom, get, get over it? Hey, what's hey, what's hey. your what's your favorite Make comedy game? Don't, um, don't say anything real. Well, I grew up playing. 
playing Monkey Island and that kind of stuff. Uh, recently played Thimbleweed Park by the same some of the same people, which is both. also really good. Uh, both of those games are real though, and to uh, to kind of support the bits that we're setting up, I'm gonna say. Um, Spleebly 2. Spleebly 2 was an excellent game. That was pretty good. What was the main mechanic of that game, again, to just if you can remind me? Uh, I'm pretty sure it was eating things. So eating you, things. You had the, you look gotta... at, the classic look at uh, text, but then that's also just eating Hey, Sean, stuff. do you have Spleebly 2 on your phone? No, I've only got Spleebly 2. Do you have Eat on your phone? Yes, I do. Okay, all right. So can you get Eat? Like, we can't uh, show you this because it's under NDA, but the contract doesn't say anything about you hearing Eat. So just the title screen so in this game you've got to eat things and I think that's pretty funny I'm just I'm playing it right now like you can't see it but I'm eating a croissant what's I'm, the I'm just like like what's the it's literally it's a gray background and there's just a lot of and food you, around there's, no no there's only one food per there's only one food you know this is a world debut uh, this is what we're working on right now. It's called Eat. There, and I can't say too much. And 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 now I feel like slightly further away. And now I feel like that that I failed, and that I haven't been able to get back to the place that I started at back at the beginning of the podcast. But that's okay because because. Because uh, because we've learned something on this journey, we've learned about what gameplay means. We've learned about about the third wall. We've learned about some other third segment that happens. And now everything's gonna be okay. I've done my obligation. I'd like to promote my website, crowscrowscrows.com. Sign up to that. For all the official news about my stuff, <laughs> you like this, but you want this, but something that was actually written and, and prepared and better, then go come on down to crowscrowscrows.com, where we've got email, emails coming out about once per year, uh, maybe more of that soon, but right right now we're on a dry spell because we're still we're still working on eat, but um but. But I hope that's going to be all right. And that's William Pugh. <laughs> Signing off. Ladies and gentlemen, William Pugh. Thank <laughs> you. On Overworld. <laughs> Up next, Eric Kane and Paul Tassi give their impressions of the new Call of Duty World War II. As we watch the suburban garden gnome carefully, carefully without disturbing it, we notice that it moves like not at all. It's inanimate and utterly without brain function. But... Despite that, when a garden gnome hears about how Geico not only saves people money, but also gives them access to licensed agents 24-7 online and over the phone, it's clear to them you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. But on second thoughts, maybe don't watch garden gnomes too carefully. People might talk. All right, hi, I'm Eric. I'm Paul. We're going to talk about uh, the latest Call of Duty, uh, Call of Duty World War II, uh, which you wrote about today, right? Yeah, it's actually doing extremely well, and not just 
<laughs> you know, because Call of Duty does extremely well all the time, but I guess it's doubled the sales of Infinite Warfare last year, which is pretty good. Within the <laughs> time frame, within the first like within the first three days yeah, or whatever yeah. it is. So that's a um, that, they might be spinning it a little, but that's that's impressive. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's always a, a little bit of spin. I think um, you know if you know that if Activision is reporting the actual sales figures for one of their Call of Duty games these days, that it's doing well because it has been a, it's been a while since they've like come out the gates like look how much we've sold. Yeah, they haven't done that as much. And like you, I was looking back, and I think the last time they really started to do this was when it was kind of the the day one figures where Black Ops Two sold uh, the same amount, five hundred million in right. one day, yeah. <laughs> whereas World War Two did it in three days. But even still, I mean, even if it's still quote declining, it's it's a very healthy franchise, shall we say? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's you know, I I, I think that a, a part of that success is simply the fact that it's a return to boots on the ground that people are excited for the historical world war two setting. Um, and that it's not just another stupid futuristic. I, I just feel like futuristic was never the right, the right path for this franchise. Not There's that just enough, enough other futuristic games yeah. where call of duty going there also just felt kind of unnecessary. And like, I get it for a game or two, but it was getting up to like what, three, four games. I yeah. think. Well, it depends <laughs> on how you look at some it. Semblance of that. Like black ops two was futuristic, but it was, I, I think count, that's I count black ops two. <laughs> yeah. So black ops two, black ops three ghosts, uh, infinite warfare and advanced warfare, five games. Would, would, yeah. Ghosts was like borderline, but I would still probably count it. Yeah. Well, it had a space mission. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> that's true. Black Ops 2, I think, if, if they're going to do a futuristic setting, I think that Black Ops 2 is the way to go because it had the historical, like, Vietnam era missions and it had, like, near future, like, wingsuits and stuff, but it wasn't, like, crazy, crazy futuristic. I just think that yeah. that felt a lot more like a Call of Duty game than, you know, Infinite Warfare, Advanced Warfare. You know, I, and I honestly, Advanced Warfare, I thought was a pretty good game. I just think that there was too many in a row. Oh, really? I, li- I liked Infinite more than Advanced Warfare. Well, they were both of those more than Ghosts. But. Yeah, both are, were both are better than Ghosts. Um, I think that there's good things about all the recent, maybe except for maybe Ghosts. All the all the last few Call of Duty games have had like interesting and good features. Uh, it's just you know it's just got a little old for me like playing in multiplayer got really tiresome because I could never really get that great at all the double jump wall run slide like chain movement stuff it just other players would get so far advanced at that stuff that it was really hard to keep up yeah it it got a little intense after a while and it it kind of raised the skill cap even further and it made it kind of hard to feel like you could keep up when you had to combine so many different skills and it was more than kind of rounding a corner and who gets the shot off first. Like, you know, not that that doesn't require its own skill, but it was getting kind of overcomplicated to the point of annoyance, I feel. Yeah. Which is why I feel like as much as I hate, hate the phrase boots on the ground, I think yeah. <laughs> a return to that is definitely why World War II is succeeding. And I mean, how, how have you liked it so far? I've really enjoyed it, honestly. I think I probably like it more than a lot of people. Um, I love the World War II setting, for one thing. I'm just like, whatever. It, even though, you know, the campaign... So the campaign, yeah, it's it's a little bit like, you know, saving Private Ryan, you know, landing on Normandy, then going with the boys into, the you know, into Germany or whatever. Um, but I actually, you know, I played the whole campaign, and I actually thought it was pretty good. Like, there was a, a good a good deal of variety. Um yeah, I actually kind of liked some of the characters. I thought there was a nice, like, little bromance going on with uh, 
with uh, what's it, Zussman. And, uh, you know, it was kind of crazy that, you know, I, not, I mean, spoilers, but, uh, you know, so he gets taken off by the Germans and he's a Jew. And, and they actually kind of touched on that aspect of World War II, which I thought was, it was new and different for, for really for video games in general. They don't often do that. Um, but certainly for Call of Duty. I didn't like, you know what I didn't like about the campaign was, was, was something that I think I can understand why they did it in concept, but in practice it kind of was annoying, was the uh, different squad mates having different items they could give you because they were never where you needed them to be. You'd have to go run around <laughs> the stupid map looking for those guys, and it was just very obnoxious. I get that that was kind of emulating how the actual war would have been. We're like, oh, so-and-so's the one with the med kits. Like, you got to go find him, and he's in a trench over there across yeah. like 50 Germans. But like from a gameplay perspective it really kind of put a damper on things when you're like, Oh, well, <laughs> you know, I need, I need this health pack and I'm literally stuck here with no regenerating health yeah. at zero. And I cannot physically get to this dude. I think if and... there, yeah, if there had been like a, <laughs> like a button you could have pressed that would have had them come to you, um, you know, or like just, just some other way to make that just a little more convenient. I, I think maybe that would have been better. I don't know. Like, it seems, it, yeah, it seemed kind of obnoxious that you had to go running around for those things. I didn't even, you know, I didn't mind the, re, the non-regenerating health so much because I think having like four health packs was okay. Like a lot of the time you could just heal up. It was no big deal. And you weren't, one thing I liked better than like um, Wolfenstein is that you're not constantly picking them up off the ground, which is just. It's better than Wolfenstein. Wolfenstein is, I'm finding Wolfenstein to be borderline unplayable. It's so horrible. <laughs> with how they're managing health uh, and, and armor. Maybe, I don't remember the first one being that bad. It is. Call of Duty, it was, it was okay. I'd say for the most part it was fine. But I did ke- keep finding myself in situations where like I would go through all my stuff and my health wouldn't come back. And it was at like 5%. Mm-hmm. And I just – I would have genuinely no idea what to do. I'm like, well, I guess <laughs> – yeah i guess this is it for me and i'll just i'll try again because there there's not really a way to recover from that if there are enemies just flanking you like if you poke your head up to shoot one you're probably going to take at least one shot even if you're you know the best player ever and it's there's some challenging kind of weird situations like that yeah Yeah, i was like mixed on how i felt about the, the campaign uh difficulty where i just kept dying like in these really random kind of bursts where i would get one shot by something i wouldn't even understand like maybe a rocket or like a sniper shot or and it was it was weird (laughs) because in a lot of games that will kind of broadcast what you're being shot by or how to avoid something that will one shot you but in this it's just nope you're just you just blew up (laughs) and that i found that a little odd um i agree i found the most challenging part of the game was there was one section where it was a bunch of trenches and then there was a tank riding around kind of on top of all the trenches and the only way to kill it was to like set a bomb on the tank and I'm like, this is 50 times harder than anything else in the campaign so far. The only section... I died like a million times there. Yeah, I died a lot there too. The only section I would say that I died more during was um, the train, where the train was leaving and you had to like get to it through all these bad guys. First you're in stealth and then like if you break stealth, you're not in stealth anymore. And that was hard, I thought. I mean, that was like ridiculously hard. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't the biggest fan of the stealth sections in the campaign. Yeah. I thought it was kind of like all the wrong ways to do stealth. Like it was just such a simplified system where it was either really hard or really easy. Like it was really easy in the sense that that meter would fill up, but they wouldn't come and investigate. So you could be, be literally in their peripheral vision, but they wouldn't come yeah. and find you. But if you did alert someone, it was there's no recovering from that. It's yeah. it's just game over essentially. If it wasn't an insta kill, which it was sometimes, 
you would just there was no way to go back and you just kind of have to sprint to your objective <laughs> yeah i'm not sure that call of duty's ever really gotten stealth down um it's kind of more of a gimmick in the series and that's i mean you think when i think of stealth like good call of duty stealth missions i think of something like chernobyl like way back in the day where that was like us you know you're a sniper you're creeping through in your ghillie suit like that's the kind of stealth that works but not or or like (laughs) infiltrating a base on the ground what's the one in um is that is is that modern warfare the the all gillied up yeah, that was yeah, that, Modern Warfare. That's Modern Warfare. 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 Yeah. Warfare. yeah, that's one. That's a great mission. You're right. That gets yeah. stealth really, 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 really right. I don't know why they haven't been able to really like recreate the success of Modern Warfare. It's it's such a good game. Like it's still they one of my favorites. I didn't mind Modern Warfare two. Three was not great. I mean the the peop, the founders left of Infinity Ward, so they were just kind of yeah constantly trying to emulate it without actually having the right ingredients. But yeah, um, that's true. Yeah. This time around, I was like so-so in the campaign. I think I probably had more fun with multiplayer mm-hmm. in this one than I have in past ones. Just again because of the lack of jetpacks and super moves and you know all this crazy stuff. And it's it's like Battlefield One, but Call of Duty style essentially. And I like that more because mm-hmm. I don't really like Battlefield One gameplay. Uh, so that's been kind of nice to to get back to that for really the first time in you know five six years or whatever yeah, since we started introducing jetpacks. Well, really, like, you know, Ghosts was the last, like, I, I'm going to keep using this phrase, even though it's totally marketing, uh, boots on the ground. It's it's the simplest way of saying it also, uh, yep. <laughs> you know, like, uh, but, but Ghost had really crappy multiplayer, so it, it just hardly counts. Um, Black Ops 2, I guess, would be the last, like, good, you know, non-jetpack multiplayer. Yeah, that's like a lot of people's favorite game in the series is Black Ops 2, yeah, so if they're, if they're echoing that at all... <laughs> That's they're doing a pretty good mm-hmm. job, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, I hope that they go next year to like a a modern warfare or a or a, well, I guess what well, who's up next? It's um, is it Treyarch again? No, they did. Yeah, Black it, it's Ops Treyarch. Four, Black Ops Three was yeah, two, that was years, two ago. years ago. It's Treyarch. So I think it's I think it would be Black Ops Five. Black Ops is too valuable Black, of a brand for them to let it go. Four. Oh, four. Yeah, yeah sorry. Four. Um, I think it's it's too valuable for them to <laughs> to not keep doing Black Ops. Right. Um, that's like the one survivor. I don't know if they'll ever go back to Modern Warfare, maybe, but... I think they need the to go back. That's strength, I think. I think... So, Black Ops 3 was a kind of weird game, because it had a really trippy campaign that like i enjoyed on some levels but like i don't want to play it again like i've tried to pick it up again and i really didn't like it i don't like uh i just i don't like a lot of things about it now that i've replayed it but um yeah i i think that going back to something like the style of the of like black ops 2 where they're bouncing back and forth between like a a past and a present camp you know Mm storyline or or maybe you know some way you know so sort of telling a story from different time periods i don't know i just think that that would be really successful to do and and to get away i don't know if you read uh read my article but i think my idea is pretty good your zombies (laughs) idea my my full zombies game now would you have it be i didn't i actually haven't read it yet but i saw that i saw it um you know were you were you saying it should be like fully co-op and like the same style as the zombies no 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 it would just there would be zombies mode but the setting would be zombies it would be essentially unlicensed walking dead right okay yeah i like that that's a good idea it would be a huge linear kind of single player campaign like what we're used to but you would be fighting zombies and bandits and rogue military people and it would would be set in essentially modern day so you'd use kind of modern weapons and there'd be no jetpacks or anything so it'd still be 
quote unquote boots on the ground, <laughs> but yeah. it would be just a completely kind of zombie infested world. And then you port that over to multiplayer and like you think about unlocking cosmetics that are like, you know, crazy post-apocalyptic, like spiked armor and masks. And like you could go really nuts with that kind of aesthetic and you could have like zombie kill streaks and things like that, like, you know, based on the theme. And I don't know. I just I no, feel like I they've been it. doing zombies for so long that. I don't see a reason not to do at least one like full on zombies game. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, I think that's a great idea. Setting. I think, I think that <laughs> we'll they should that happens or not. Yeah, well, they should get away from just, I mean, you know, kind of like they did with infinite warfare, which is get away from like realism and go into like spaceship land. You know, they could do that with other things. I think post-apocalyptic is a great idea. I, I had, I had thought like a steampunk setting would be really cool for call of duty. You know, like oh, airships, like Zeppelins and stuff, and like like Dishonored universe. Yeah, kind of like that, but yeah. like maybe more modern than Dishonored. You know, with like yeah. steampunk machine guns and like you know, just kind of that 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 whole aesthetic with the you know. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think that's the kind of thing they need is some something along like what we're saying because if they just keep doing modern warfare, future warfare, modern warfare, future warfare, it's it's not really enough. So I think they have to kind of think up outside the box while retaining kind of the core of what makes it good. Yeah, no, totally. I, I mean, I think it, these are a little riskier for sure because they're they enter into sort of a genre stuff, whereas there's kind of a broad like military appeal in in basic Call of Duty. But that's why I like I, the zombies one because you could stick with that. It could be almost World War Z, where it's literal like militaries yeah. fighting, you know, zombies and each other and stuff. And I think you could kind of still still keep that, but I don't know. No, I, I, I doubt I, they'll do it. That would be great though. They did. It'd be playing to their strengths, you know. For mm-hmm. sure, like really, that's something Treyarch should do. Like, since yeah, they no, for sure. Started this whole zombie thing. <laughs> Can't imagine that will happen, but if if I'm right and that happens, I'm going to take all the credit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might as well, yeah. and get, and ask for some royalties too. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> then again, you know, in the video game industry, developers, writers, actors, and those people get royalties. So, yeah, <laughs> what a what a what a nice industry we work in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I, th- I think the highlight for me with world war two though, is, uh, is war mode. Yeah, that's a great mode. I need to play it some more, but from what I played of it so far, it's, it's re- really kind of pushing the envelope forward in multiplayer in a way yeah. I haven't seen in a while. I mean, people point out that like, Oh, well, battlefield one does this and battlefront two and all. And it's like, yeah, well, okay, they do. But like you said, like this, there's such a fundamentally different, uh, dynamic when it comes to like the gameplay of Call of Duty versus those games, it's just not even at all the same. Like Call of Duty is a is a six versus six twitch shooter, which, you know that's very fast and very like in your face. Whereas something like Battlefield is like a very like squad based. You know, you go out, you take points, you. You, you, it's it's just a it's a very very different yeah, the shooter. Scale, the scale and pace are just way different. So even if it's the same mode and they didn't do it first, like it could still be more fun in a Call of Duty game, even if they didn't invent it, which I think is what happens here. Yeah, and I mean it's going to really depend depend on like what you like. Of course, I just like mm-hmm. Call of Duty. I've, I've actually kind of enjoyed this game too because I feel like I'm doing better. <laughs> I'm doing better than I have. <laughs> And I don't know practice or if that's just the, yeah, like the whole, like these kids grew up with jetpacks. Now they don't have any jetpacks. I don't know what to do. (laughs) Especially, I I feel like war mode, especially like you can, you don't have to be just like the best shooter. You know, you can, you can really like focus on thinking a little more strategically, 
playing the objective. And of course, the most annoying thing is that a lot of people don't play the objective. It's like, it's like a bunch of people who've never played anything like Overwatch and they're just for the first time, like, and so your whole, you know, what's the worst is like, like say breakout where you have to build the bridge and like every other player is just shooting across the gap and nobody is trying to build the bridge. And so I, I, this happens and I'll just like throw the smoke grenade, run up there, build like two things, get killed, do it again, get killed, do it again, like 10 times. And finally, that you know, build the bridge. But like, oh, it's it's very obnoxious when when no one plays the damn objective. People just yeah don't focus on the objective whatsoever. That happens a lot, and I feel like it will it will take Call of Duty players a longer time to start <laughs> learning yeah. how to focus on stuff like that. I mean, and then you play against a team that really is, and it's like you can if really there's see a coordinated the team that like knows how to do the mode. You're just you're kind of done. <laughs> yeah, oh, <laughs> if totally. you're playing with randoms, I mean, it's it's pretty tough to to combat that. One of my favorite moments in war mode so far was I was, we were storming the beach at Normandy and like I ran up and I didn't get shot down by the, by the machine guns across the beach. I blew up the little sand thing and I went through, I caught a guy building a wall and I shot him with my shotgun and then I ran up into the uh, B bunker and like, there were like three guys on machine guns up there and I just one shot at each of them with with the shotgun and I was like, holy crap, this is awesome. Like, it's just fun. It's fun to like take you know, take control points, move forward. It's dynamic. I like that a lot. It's, it's, yeah. it's very different for call of duty and I, I dig it. Of course, a lot of people are like, Oh, this is so stupid. There's no swastikas. It's like, okay. I, I, it's, it's like slightly weird, but I'm over the whole, like no swastikas, like different races and genders as Nazis. Like it's like, I get why they did it, but I'm not, I don't think it's that big of a deal. So I mean, it's silly, but like, how much does it really affect? Like, as you're right. playing a match in Call of Duty, are you really right. like, oh crap, there's yeah. a chick over there? Like, oh man, like, you can't even tell. I mean, no. like, <laughs> unless you're like, you know, going up to corpses and like zooming in on them, you pretty yeah. much don't. <laughs> yeah, and then Ever you're dead anyway. That. Yeah. Someone's going to shoot you. <laughs> yep. Um, so what I mean, so you. I remember I tweeted and I was like, the, the campaign's pretty good so far. And you're like, I think we're going to have something to disagree with. So like, <laughs> I feel like I, you're, guess you're... I, I kind of came around to the campaign at the end. There were elements of the campaign. I wasn't a huge fan of. Um, and I, I feel like I've liked a lot of other called OD campaigns more. Yeah. Um, I But the more I played, the more kind of aspects of it. I liked, I never really got attached to the lead character. Your yeah. farm boy guy. I, I didn't think he was good. Zussman was good. The Josh Duhamel character, where he just started kind of going nuts, was Pearson? kind of out of nowhere for me. I thought that was odd. Um, it was it was a weird. I I agree that they that it was a weird like it was just framing really of rushed. his story. <laughs> yeah, well, I think they tried to hint at it earlier, but like they didn't do a good enough job making him like seem unhinged. Well, he went from like tough as nails sergeant to like oh he's gonna murder me in the field. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like what yeah. is going on? Uh, little little touches I like. I like how when you kill like kind of enough people, the rest of them surrender, <laughs> and then you're essentially like yeah. not allowed to shoot them. I thought that was kind of a nice, yeah, nice touch. Cool. A few games kind of allow you that option. Uh, I was yeah, not as much a fan of like the little mini game like field medic things. You're supposed to like drag a dude. Oh yeah, I hated that. Every time I did that, he just like instantly died as soon as I touched him. I'm like well. <laughs> Yeah, like you had to pull it. So later, way. someone would yell at me, like, "Well, you could have saved that soldier." I'm like, "No, don't guilt trip me over this." 
Yeah, now um, I get his gun, so it's yeah. fine. Um, yeah, the, all the little gimmicky things were annoying. Like we talked about earlier, the like yeah. the health packs and stuff, but also the the QTEs, the quick time events. Eh, silly. I hate those things. They, no one There's should ever no put those in a game. For them anymore. Like it's 2017. I think QTEs yeah. are kind of over. <laughs> it's just, yeah, no, I mean, just have, have a cut. Like cutscenes are fine. Like just have the damn cutscene and then move on. Like, or, or actually make it like a, like, like gameplay and one or the other. You can't have, you can't have both. It doesn't work. And the worst thing in the world is dying on a QTE. Is there anything more annoying? I don't, think i've died on qts for a while because they're just they're kind of simplistic now but maybe yeah they are they totally are but i mean that is, that's the whole thing like what's the point of like dying on a qte is stupid so why even yeah, have it instantly there? it teleports you back to that exact moment anyway so what's the point yeah. the only time i could imagine quick time events working and i think that this like this is why i can't get into telltale games because i don't they don't do this but i think that if if you screw up a quick time event Rather than have it reset so you have to play it again, it should it should result in a second option, like a branching path. So if you screw up that quick time event and something goes wrong, instead of just playing it over again, like some other fundamentally different thing happens. That is what you branch um, off into a different That's what story. Quantic Dream Games did really well, where they have that yeah. kind of branching path. And like if you're in a fight and you screw up enough, like in heavy rain, you could just die. Like your character would just die and the story would continue on without you. <laughs> Oh really? I thought, how did, yeah, how was that? How I, I learned that, that when my wife was trying to play, who's not a big gamer, <laughs> and missed a bunch of quick time events, and then she just killed uh, what's his name, like Ethan or whatever the main character's name. And then the game just kept going without Ethan. <laughs> I'm like, wow, this is <laughs> that's pretty clever, impressive. Yeah, I never played Heavy Rain. I, you know, I was going to, but then I played uh, Beyond Two Souls. Is that what? Yeah. No, wait, that was called. Yeah, and I just didn't like it at all. So then yeah. it's pretty similar. I mean, Heavy Rain's better than Beyond, but I, you know, if you don't like Beyond, you probably won't like Heavy Rain. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 then I watched the uh, Detroit Become Human, the last trailer. Yeah, out of the yeah. uh, uh, Paris Games Week, and I just did not think it looked very good. I don't know, like it just. Yeah, I'm curious yeah. to see how that goes, but we'll see. Um. Well. I don't know. What do you What do you think? Are you a uh, thumbs up for Call of Duty World War Two or thumbs? Yeah, down? I'm thumbs up. I'm not like yeah. over the moon about it, but I definitely think it's probably the best game in at least a couple of years. So I would definitely yeah. pick it up if you're if you're a fan. Yeah, I agree. And I would, you know, like sometimes I'd say wait for a sale or whatever. But I, these games don't usually really go on sale. I mean, Black Friday, I think time. it's for like forty bucks. I okay. guess, which well, is about as good as you're going to get. Or you can buy it yeah. used for maybe 50 I don't know. So, If you want to participate in that Black Friday nightmare, yep. uh, go for it. But, yeah. Um, well, cool. Well, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Peace. That's it for this episode of Overworld. Thanks for listening. I'm Matt Perez. And I'm Satchel Drakes. If you'd like to get in touch with us, please reach us at overworld at podcast1. That's O-N-E dot com. And also you can reach us on Twitter. My handle is at Satchel Drakes. That's Satchel like a bag with an extra L. And mine is Matt Ryan Perez. Thanks for listening. Take care. Geico presents oh, yet another voicemail from your roommate. Hi. So, about the kitchen. Turns out when there's a grease fire, you're not supposed to throw water on it. <laughs> Who would have known, right? Anyways, the fire department is here and it's totally cool. Give me a call back when you get a chance.
The Geico Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected, like if danger is your roommate's middle name. Visit Geico.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. London police have arrested Julian Assange on extradition charges to the United States, as well as for violating his bail. Assange is accused of publishing classified documents through WikiLeaks. In 2010, he told Sky News he was worried about what the U.S. might do to him. The United States recently has shown that its institutions seem to be failing. Uh, They are failing to follow the rule of law. And with dealing with a superpower that does not appear to be following following the rule of law, is a serious business. He also said in 2010 the U.S. officials had threatened him and those associated with him. There has been many calls by senior political figures uh, in the United States Uh, including elected ones in the Senate, uh, for my execution, uh, the kidnapping of my staff. Edward Snowden, the former security contractor who leaked classified information about U.S. surveillance programs, says the arrest of Assange is a blow to media freedom. I'm Rita Foley.